All right, good morning, ladies. We're going to go ahead and get started. I know some of you need to head off to work, so we're going to try to be mindful of time and get you out of here by 7.15 this morning. Um, I'm Sarah, if I haven't met you. I'm Sarah Herring, and this is Amanda Jackson, and I'll let her kind of share about herself and... Um, we just want to say thank you for coming. I know it's hard to get up in the morning and get here this early, but the reason why we did this time is because we want everyone to be able to make it. And we know there's college students that are taking classes. There's people who are working. Um, so we wanted to pick a time that um, is available for most women. And it was either early morning or late night. And when we talked to a lot of people, they're like, well, we have a really busy schedule in the summer and the evenings. And it's like, okay, then let's do early morning. And we're talking about disciplines of grace. So why not start that discipline? <laughs> um, wake up early. So I'll let Amanda take it away. And um, yeah, wanted to just say thank you so much for coming. Um, yeah, I'm Amanda Jackson. Uh, during the year, I am a para at Orchard Hill Elementary. And my husband and I lead a connection group at Candeo. He's on, he's an elder at Candeo, uh, Mark Jackson. Um, but really quickly want to jump into what we're doing for the next five weeks. So this slide is a breakdown of the weeks. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the word. Next week will be meditation, then prayer, fellowship, and stewardship. And kind of the format for all of these classes is that we would kind of introduce a topic up here, go to the table, and we'll ask a question um, amongst ourselves, and then kind of do 30 minutes of teaching, and then 20 minutes of table discussion, and then close in prayer. So... <coughs> That's what you can expect for the class today and through the next five weeks. Um, so before we get to the question, I wanted to go ahead and just highlight some of those concepts that he gets to in the first part of the introduction and just making sure that we're all working with the same definition of a few things. So the first one is means of grace. Um, some use this term to refer to the forgiveness of sins and the sacraments. So depending on your faith uh, background and tradition, that might be your understanding, but that's not how he refers to the means of grace in the book, nor is that how we would refer to the means of grace at Candeo. Um, so really simply, the means of grace are the spiritual disciplines. So uh, the word, prayer, fellowship, fasting, those types of things, these are the ways um, in which God sustains the believer to persevere um, in the Christian life. And I think of that verse in Philippians 1, I think verse 6 um, he who began a good work in you will is faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. So God uses the, spirit, the spiritual disciplines um, yeah, to enable our perseverance and joy um, in the faith. Um, so what is the goal of the spiritual disciplines or the means of grace? As the book said really beautifully on page 30, at the great end of the means is knowing and enjoying Jesus. Um, so the, the goal is a growing relationship with the Lord Jesus and that we would be finding our greatest joy in Jesus as we meet with him. 
um, through the disciplines. And the second definition is grace. I don't think he ever actually gives a definition of what grace is in the introduction, um, but if you read the foreword by John Piper, he does give a really solid uh, definition. His definition is grace is the free and sovereign work of God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, even though we don't deserve it. And we can see how he gets this definition from 2 Timothy 1.9 that says he has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Um, I don't know about your understanding of grace, but my understanding um, of grace has really grown throughout the years, and it still is growing. I used to think of God's grace as um, something that occurred once in my past. I referred to it only when I referred to my salvation. Um, So it took me a long time uh, to understand that God's grace isn't just a past reality, but it's also a present and future reality, that God's grace enables uh, my obedience and perseverance in the Christian life. And then another thing that he talks about in the introduction is that um, grace justifies, sanctifies, glorifies. If you have a Bible, I'm just going to read Romans 8, 28 through 30. Uh, I think those verses highlight all three of those things. So I'll just give you a second if you want to flip to it. It's Romans 8, 28 through 30. Okay, verse 28, we know that all things together, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So through this passage, we see that God's grace justifies, um, sanctifies, and glorifies. Justification happens once. When you repent of your sin and put your faith in Christ, we are declared righteous by God. And Romans 3, 23 through 24 highlights that really well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And sanctification is the ongoing process in this life of growing in holiness. And we see that in the verses we just read in verse 29. It says that we are to be conformed to the image of his son. Um, and so that's the, the spirit working in us to say uh, no to our flesh and yes to him. And glorification is when the spiritual nature of the believer is perfected in the life to come. In 2 Thessalonians 1.12, it says, So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified by you, and you by him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So through God's grace, we see that we are justified to have a relationship with him. Through God's grace, we are sanctified to act rightly before him. And through God's grace, we participate in his glory and reflect that back to glorify him. Uh, So hopefully those things set you up well to answer uh, the question at your table. Yeah, so um, as the introduction, just wanted to set you up as like, okay, we're going to define our terms, and this is what grace is, this is what means of grace is, and then we want to just start you off, everyone wakes up better if you're talking and kind of move in a little bit, so Turn towards your table, and I put the definition of grace up here again. 
So grace is the free and sovereign work of God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, even though we don't deserve it. So answer this question at your table. Where have you seen grace evidenced in your life recently? Now, this could be salvation, but it can also be grace in your life active day to day. Um, if you don't know the women at your table, quickly introduce yourself and then go into the question and we'll come back together in about 10 minutes. Hopefully that was helpful and beneficial to, um, to get to know your table a little bit more and um, just discuss um, where grace has been evidenced in your life. And um, as the teachers met before this class started, Jake encouraged everyone who's teaching to, um, to answer the question that the tables have been, been discussing. And um, as I sat there um, the other night, just like thinking about this question, okay, how would I answer this? Um, my answer was, I don't really wanna share that. But I knew that I need to lead out in vulnerability and authenticity. Um, so I thought, you know what? It's, it's a five week study. If we're not gonna get vulnerable on the first week, we don't have enough time to just beat around the bush. So let's do this. Um, but God's grace have been, has been evidenced in my life through trials. Um, and just recently um, seeing God's grace play out and um, sometimes his grace is good um, and delightful things and sometimes it's hard, um, but it's still, it's still his grace. And um, we've been walking through the trial of um, a miscarriage um, and it's it's our fourth um, and um, answering the question or asking the question of why um, and you can't you can't ask God why you just trust his good hand and knowing that he is sovereign and he is good and he's holy um, <laughs> thank you um, and God's grace <clears throat> is greater than um, anything that we can understand. Thank you. Um, and we don't deserve any good gift, but he gives us good gifts. So we are thankful for the good gifts that we do have, and we're thankful for the trials that we are brought because we know God in a deeper way, and we see him in a beautiful way that um, when we aren't in those valleys, we don't see him um, and see his sovereign hand in our life in the ways that we do in the, in the trials and in the valleys. Um, and his grace has been so evident in the people that he's brought. <laughs> Just seeing some of you ladies. Um, community is a beautiful thing. And to see um, the grace of God walk into my life through people. Um, <clears throat> and the last thing, the grace of God has been evident in his word. And um, just even reading um, and studying for this, wow, we can hear his voice when we just put ourselves in his word and ask him to reveal himself. And um, when you go through trials and you just think that, God, you're silent, I don't know what you're what you're doing, um, 
if you just stop and listen and ask for wisdom, he will reveal it and he will reveal himself. Um, and that is what um, the first portion of this book was talking about is putting ourselves in the path of grace. And um, that's been so evident in just uh, recently in my times of the word. Um, and what does that look like to put yourself in the path of gra- means of grace? Um, the, the idea of turning on a faucet um, and coming to God's word. Um, I just thought I'm such a visual learner. Um, and so just the idea of, okay, when I walk up to the faucet, I have to turn it on, but I don't make the water come, right? I just have to walk up and turn it on and the water's there. Or when you want to eat something, you walk to the table and you begin to eat. You have to come to the table. Um, and that's the idea here in the the um, thought of putting yourself in the path of grace, not that you make anything come or not that you make anything happen. It's all from God. Hearing his voice, is it's all from him, but we also have to put the effort in putting ourselves in that path. Um, and as I was thinking about this, I was chuckling to myself because as I'm studying, Naomi's in her bedroom and we have this saying in our house when she like will say something, she's six, we have a ranch. So it's, I mean, you can hear everything in our house, but she's in her room and she's like, mom, mom, mom. And I'm like, yeah, Naomi. She asked me a question and I'm like, Naomi, come out here. I'm not going to yell. Like that's our, I'm not gonna yell throughout the house. We have college students who live in our basement and they don't wanna hear every word I'm saying. Come out here and then you can hear me. And it just clicked. I'm like, that is, that's God's word. When we want to hear God, we, we have to go to the room. Like it, it's just so amazing to me that it's like, okay, if I want to hear God's voice, I have to go to his word and put myself in his room. And there's only a few times, it's like a parent, when you really want to get their attention, what do you do? You yell. And there's a few times in our life where it's like, okay, you might not be in his word, but he's going to yell to get your attention. But that's only a few times. Any other time, if you want to hear his voice, you have to be in his word. And there's no other way. If you feel like you're in a season where it's, I can't, I can't hear him. I don't understand. I don't, I don't feel his presence. My first question is, what are you reading in God's word? And how are you putting yourself in the path of his grace to hear his word? And sometimes it's going to take a while to be in his word before you really start understanding. But it's that consistent walk with him and putting yourself in his room to hear his voice. Um, and the ultimate goal is delighting in Jesus, right? So what does it mean, though, and what does it not mean? So what does it mean to put yourself in the path of grace? It means to open God's word and to hear his voice. But also what it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that you're earning his approval, right? So when you open your Bible, it's not like God saying, oh, good job, now I approve of you. It's being able to delight in him and have a relationship with him. Um, 
when we when we grow up in the church, if, if you've grown up in the church, I think I've had this mindset a lot of like a checklist of, okay, I woke up and I read my Bible, that's done. And I don't think that's how God wants us to view it. Um, it is a communion with him, a delighting in him and knowing him. So when you open his word, it is a, okay, God, I'm coming to you and I want to know you more. I want to delight in you more. And it's not anything that we've earned. <clears throat> it's time for someone to wake up. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> um, and I think, oh, wow, someone else. Look at that. <laughs> um, so Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 uh, says it really well. Um, God's grace in our life. And um, I'll just read it here for us. Um, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Um, so if you see, I don't know if this will work. We'll try it here. If you see here... Um, maybe let's try this um by grace you have been saved okay so oh there it worked this is great this is jake's toy <laughs> um so we see in this passage it it refers to grace several times so you've been um saved by grace and then of his grace and kindness towards us It's a gift of God. It's nothing that we've done so that no one may boast. This is, this is the great, we can boast only in God when we haven't done anything. So when we put ourselves in the path of grace, we're not earning anything. It's the grace of God even that we're there, right? So we have to remember that we can't boast in even our own doing. It's the gift. It's a free gift. It's God's grace towards us. Um, but it's not without effort. And a couple weeks ago when Jake was teaching, he used this line um, that really stuck with me, that our walk with God is without earning, but it's not without effort. And so we're not earning God's grace, but it's not without effort. We have to put forth effort in our life. Um, and I, I know I mentioned this at the, we have a, a leaders gathering. Um, and I know I mentioned this to so some of you leaders will be like, okay, Sarah, stop talking about this book. I'm done with it. So this is my last quote from this book, but it's a great book. Um, 21 servants of sovereign joy. It talks about 21 godly men. Um, in history. Um, but I thought that this quote really explained it well. Um, there is a slavish effort. There's a trusting effort, the effort that leans on the flesh and the effort that leans on God. So the effort that is my strength or through God's strength. In efforts of faith, there are things to be done. 
In Hudson Taylor's words, communion with Christ requires our coming to him, so we're putting ourselves in his room, meditating upon his person. His work requires the diligent use of themes of grace, and especially the prayerful reading of his word. Many fail to abide because they habitually fast instead of feast. How often is that where we just habitually decide not to eat on God's word? And then why are we hungry? Why are we thirsty? Because we're not in the word. We're not feasting on his word. Um, So it's not that we don't have to put forth effort. We are created to do good works in Christ Jesus. And we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you. It's God who does the work to give you the will and to work for his good pleasure. That's Philippians 2, 12 through 13. But don't forget the goal. The goal is delighting in Jesus, and he is our aim. The goal is not to prove anything or even to acquire more knowledge. The goal is to delight in Jesus and um, make him our aim. Um, So as we turn ourselves to the word, um, what does that look like? And Amanda's going to kind of walk through what it looks like to um, be in God's word. Um. Yeah, I really enjoyed um, really just all that we read. Um, there are so many good things, uh, and we're just kind of highlighting a few um, a few things uh, here today. But um, one quote I really enjoyed in chapter one was from John Frame, and it was on page 38. It said, God's word is his powerful, authoritative self-expression. And when I read that, I thought... That is so true. And I think um, just to unpack that a little bit and see where he gets these things in the Bible, I thought that might be helpful. So um, God's word is powerful because he spoke the world into existence. In Genesis 1, we see that God spoke and it was. Also in Genesis 1, we see that um, God is our ultimate authority, and as our creator, it's his right to define um, how we should live and worship him. God's word is his self-expression because it reveals his character, and ultimately, Jesus is the full expression of his character. And Cody reminded us of that on Sunday when he read Hebrews uh, 1, verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And Jesus himself says in John 14, 9, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. And John 1 is further evidence that Jesus um, is God's word incarnate in the flesh. So it says in verse 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And in verse 14, the word became flesh and took up residence um, among us. So Jesus is the word in flesh, the word embodied. And in him, we have the full embodiment of God's word and decrees for life. And while we all may wish that we had Jesus incarnate walking around with us today, we do have God's recorded word for us um, in the Bible 
And Hebrews says that the Bible is living and active, so it is relevant for today, and it is trustworthy because it is God-breathed and God-inspired. Second um, Timothy three sixteen through seventeen says that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, uh, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, as Sarah was saying. So this is why it's so important that as believers we're intaking the Bible, reading, studying, memorizing, meditating. Whatever it is, we are intaking the Bible. We're reminded of God's character, his standard for right living. And as we apply it, he transforms us into the likeness of Christ and fills our hearts with greater joy and delight in him. Um, And he says on page 40, without the Bible, we will soon lose the genuine gospel and the real Jesus and the true God. Um, So the Bible, God's word, anchors us to the truth about who he is and what he has done for us. Um, Also in chapter 1, he talked about preaching the gospel to yourself. And as I was reading through that, I came up with four questions and two examples of what this looks like in my life. So um, my first question is, what is the gospel? Um, The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. God, in his love for us, gave us Jesus. He, Jesus, lived a perfect life, died the death that I deserve, and conquered sin and death when he rose from the grave and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. So through repentance of sin and faith in Christ, I can have a relationship with God. That is the gospel. The second question is, so how does that help me after salvation? So the gospel isn't only for our justification. It doesn't just get us into the door and and we drop it and leave it there. The gospel is meant to impact all areas of our life. I'm a new creation because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So I'm no longer bound by my sin and shame, but I live as a new creation. I have a new nature, and that informs and impacts how I live my life, how I treat my family, what job I have, how I spend money. Um, It informs and impacts our whole life. And then why should we preach the gospel to ourselves? Why is that so key? And I think this question calls from, for some uh, self-reflection. I think there can be many answers to it. Um, depends on the individual. Some questions I would ask, and he asks a few questions, I think, in that section, to uh, what lies do you believe? Uh, do you struggle with shame, guilt, uh, forgiveness? Are you habitually in sin? Um, Where do you find satisfaction, purpose, and fulfillment in your life? Um, For me, a personal reason that I need to preach the gospel to myself every day is I uh, frequently uh, struggle with unbelief that I am a new creation. And a lie that frequently comes to my mind are that my sins are old, familiar friends who I can never get rid of. And there's truth in that lie. That's why... um, Satan is so tricky. Um, True, I can never get rid of them. True, they are familiar and often easier and far more comfortable to me. Um, But the gospel confronts the lies. I can never get rid of them, but I can carry them to the cross in repentance and ask the Lord to help me. And through that habitual act of repentance, the Spirit makes their call weaker and his call greater. And the joy of knowing and experiencing Christ is far greater than any sin nature. Um, 
And my, my fourth question was, what does it mean to preach? Um, this has actually been a question of mine for a long time. Um, the difference between preaching and teaching, there's two different words, and why is that? Um, are they synonymous? No. The word preach means to herald. Um, preaching is not telling or talking, teaching, communicating. It's unique. Um, that's why we have a separate word for it. And I think a good example of this in the Bible is Paul in Romans 7. I don't have time to read the whole thing, but I think it's at verses 15 through 25. And um, this is where he says to the Romans, I do the thing I do not want to do. So he's noticing his sin, he's confessing, he's repenting, and he says later on uh, towards verse 24 and 25, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me? I thank God for Jesus Christ. So in this, we see him preaching the gospel to himself, imploring himself to know and remember the truth. He is a wretched man, but praise God, we have Jesus Christ who conquers our sin, and we can live rightly before him through the power of his Holy Spirit. Um, and then two examples. I love that he kind of said, you can do this proactively and you can do this reactively. Preach the gospel to yourself. Um, so a proactive example for, for me in my, in my life, um, this winter I just really found myself struggling with some besetting sins. Um, there's just a couple that it seemed like um, sins that just cropped up over and over again. And um, I just went through the Bible one day and pulled out verses that applied um, to those sins, and I put them in a Google slide. I didn't even take the step of memorizing them. There were so many. I just put them in a Google slide, and um, before I read the Bible in the morning, I would just open it up and scroll through it just every day, putting my eyes on the words of life, the words of truth that, that said, this isn't your nature. You are a new creation. And these verses just gave me truth to combat those sins, um, which was just really helpful. It was a way to, before the day even began, and often I would pray through those verses, Father, I know I'll face this situation today. Help me to respond with love and patience um, and not anger at not getting my way. Um, so that would be a proactive example for me this year. And then a reactive example is often when I fall into temptation, I sin. Um, sometimes I will avoid uh, confession and repentance for a while. Sometimes I just like, I'll just do that later. I'll just file that away. Um, and then sometimes I do confess and repent um, more quickly, and um, I just struggle with the guilt and shame. I carry that around with me. Um, so then I think it becomes uh, just important to remember um, what the Word of God affirms about me as a new creation, um, that he sees me as holy, righteous, and redeemed, and he assures us that our sin is forgiven. First uh, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, so if we believe that God's word is necessary for our growth and godliness, not just in our outward action, but also our inward joy in Christ, then we need to know it in order to preach the gospel to ourselves. And we can't preach the gospel to ourselves, which is how we fight sin and our old nature, without knowing the gospel. And when we know the Bible, we know more stories, we know more verses that apply to our specific situations. So how we get to know the Bible more and grow in knowledge um, is to just be in it, to just do it. Um, so whether it's 
reading, studying, memorizing, meditating, the point is Bible intake, intaking the words of the Lord and letting them shape you and grow you in love for who he is and what he's done for us. Um, I loved his points about asking someone to read it with you. Um, do it daily. Look for Jesus in the Bible because the Bible is a book about God, not about us. Um, so if you are new to the Bible, or maybe you're not new to the Bible, but you feel a little lost when you're reading it, I would just encourage you to ask someone uh, to do it with you or ask them what it looks like for them to read the Bible. And we have plenty of women here today, so even at your own at your table as you get to know each other, um, ask someone to, to jump in and read it with you. And um, I would encourage you, if you're practiced at reading the Bible, um, Maybe uh, find a woman new to the faith or new to the disciplines and ask her if she'd like to read it with you. And this doesn't have to be a huge uh, time commitment. It can be um, whatever you would like it to be. You can read the book of Ephesians and text about it. Um, it doesn't. You don't even have to meet in person if that is difficult for your schedule. But um, I think this kind of goes well, too, with uh, Cody's sermon on Sunday. He was talking about biblical community. So let's build uh, the community we hope to have and anchor it in the word of God. Um, and just some examples of what reading or raking um, through the Bible has looked like in my life. Last year, I really had a desire to just quickly read through the Bible, just like I would a novel, uh, to just really get a bird's eye view of the themes of Scripture. And it was so impactful for my life. Um, and uh, while I was reading it in the morning, I would keep a journal beside me um, and just write down things that the Spirit brought before uh, my eyes. So uh, often this would look like um, verses that I wanted to go back and memorize that I thought were hugely impactful um, or whole books of the Bible that I would love to go back later and study because I fell in love with them or uh, a theme of the Bible that uh, kept popping up before my eyes, God's grace, God's word, uh, humility, uh, that I am chosen, um, and tracing those words through the Bible. So I now have a journal full of ideas that I probably will never be able to complete in this life. But if I ever don't know what to do in the Bible, I can just go back to that journal and be reminded of what the Lord showed me um, in his word. And I, I don't know if everyone has this, but sometimes I wake up and I'm not super excited um, about reading the Bible, um, or I don't know where to go to. Maybe I just finished one thing and I'm not sure what to do. My go-to favorite way uh, to read the Bible is to read the Psalm of the day. So for example, today is July 2nd. I'd flip open to the second Psalm and read that. Um, that's great in a pinch. If you only have five minutes, that's great if you don't know what to do because there's structure. Um, but those are some of the ways in which um, I have raked through the Bible in order to dig for diamonds. Um, and Sarah's going to talk more about digging in the word. Yeah, um, I love just even the idea of spending a season in your life of just like reading the Bible. So raking or just reading for breadth um, and then writing down ideas to come back and study later on. Um, there, There's a lot of people, some people really love to dig and study and then some people love to just like 
read and not do a lot of study. We're all different people, but um, there's benefits to both. So we want to make sure that we have both. And the idea of raking, so it's just kind of like getting getting the leaves moved, you know, it's kind of easy work, but long and tedious, and then there's digging. But you have to rake before you see where you need to dig. So you need to read the Bible enough to know where you want to stop and dig for a while. Um, so reading for breadth is very beneficial. And Jake shared some, and maybe some of your guys came home and said this. I know Ashley said this is the thing that Colton shared with her. But um, if you have an average reading pace, which Shelly Schlatter should, could probably tell us what the average is. But if you're average um, at reading, and you read 12 minutes a day, just read the Bible for 12 minutes a day, you could get through the Bible in a year. If you read for 24 minutes a day, you could get through the whole Bible in six months. That's kind of crazy. Like, we spend 12 minutes a day doing a lot of other things, right? Um, Jake, for his guys, he's like, I'm sure you're in the bathroom for more than 12 minutes. <laughs> Us ladies, we don't have time for that, right? <laughs> but... Um, I'm sure we spend 12 minutes on other things, like even social media. I'm sure we spend more than 12 minutes on our phone. Um, there are times in our day that we can redeem and spend time in the Word, just reading for breath, and then go back and study, spend some time studying. And what does it look like to study? To study for depth um, means you're going to take a passage and you're going to observe or comprehend, interpret, and apply. And this bookmark in the middle of your table, everyone can take one home, um, and it follows kind of the um, structure that the book Women of the Word does. And this has just been really helpful in my life, um, knowing how to study the Bible. On one side, it has um, just different questions that you can ask. Um, and on the other side, it breaks down the process. What does it actually look like to process the Bible to study? Um, I'm not going to go through every single point just for the sake of time, um, but I am going to give one example because we do this we do this every day in life, and I don't think we even recognize that we do this because sometimes it's scary when you sit down with someone and they're like, I don't know how to study the Bible. And you're like, well, you pick your text, and then you observe, interpret, apply, pray. And it's like, oh, those are scary words, but we do it so often without even knowing. And it doesn't have to be long and drawn out. It can be a quick thing in your, in your study. So to observe or comprehend, just ask, what does it say? It's just understanding what it says. And for me, that looks like reading a passage with no pen in hand first, read it repetitively over and over and over again. If you're willing to do this for a long time, read it for days without a pen, just reading it. And then pick up a pen and mark it up, repeat or underline the repeated words, ask questions, look up words that you don't understand. Um, it's just understanding what does it say and then you move on to what does it mean that's when you ask those questions about um, what it intended what it was intended for the original hearers um, that's when you're going to start looking at 
who was this book written to? When was it written? And those are that's when it gets, I know, sometimes a little scary, but you can use tools to help. Um, and then you apply. What does this mean to me? First, what does this tell me about God's character? And how does that change my life? And then you finish with prayer. Um, but a quick example of just how we do this day to day, right? In and out. We do this quickly, very quickly in our everyday life. So if you were to walk upstairs this morning and on one of these doors, this sign was on the door, right? And the door is closed. You first, you comprehend, you read it, right? Do not disturb recording in progress. Okay. Okay. I read it. You might notice something about the picture. You might observe something really quick. You quickly move on to interpret. Oh, I didn't know that they were recording. I wonder what they're recording. I wonder like who it is in there or boy, I didn't know that they would be recording anything this early. You know, you might ask some some questions. I don't know about these things, but I'm going to apply it. I'm not going to walk into that door and I'm surely not going to knock on the door, right? So you you quickly you read it you interpret it, and you apply it. We do it so often in our life, and we just have to put that to the scriptures. Um, So sometimes it can be scary to think about, but if you just easily apply it to your Bible reading and read it and interpret it and apply it, it's not as scary as you think. And so hopefully as you look at this bookmark and read through the questions, it's helpful um, for you. I just keep this bookmark in my Bible and it's not pretty. And we were talking, I, I would love to just give it to somebody like Josie to make it really pretty. And um, maybe someday if she has extra time, we can have a pretty little bookmark. But at least this is helpful um, to ask some questions as you're studying God's word. Um, if that is like, too much or you don't have a whole lot of time to dig, ask these two simple questions. What does it teach me about God and what does it teach me about others? The Bible is a book about God, so it's always going to say something about God's character and based on his character, what should that, how should that affect my life? Um, for me, I have a journaling Bible and something that just keeps me focused on the Bible as a book about God. When I read a passage, I just write the character of God that I see in that scripture right next to it. So if you open my Bible, you're going to see God is holy, God is loving, God is faithful, God is blah, 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 like throughout the whole Bible because I want to continually remind myself that it's about him, not me. Um, and because of that, then I can see how does that apply to my life. Um So just a few helpful tools um, that if you're interested in learning more about studying God's word, uh, Women of the Word um, and Grasping God's Word are two great books to read. Um, And a shameless plug, an exciting announcement, we're going to have a Candeo library starting pretty soon. Um, So hopefully some of these books will be available uh, to check out um, real soon, which I'm excited about. Um, And then here's a few um, just helpful websites. Blue Letter Bible, this is a free website that you can look up um, what the original word means. Um, You can see cross-references. There's lots of helpful things. Um, Bible Gateway, just for reading, desiring God, you can enter in their search bar, like, 
just a passage and see like a ton of articles that are on that passage or even messages or sermons. Um, Gospel Coalition is good. And then Ligonier um, is, I didn't want to put the long link to this, but if you go to their website and search commentaries, they have a whole page that when you're studying a book of the Bible, if you're like, I wonder what would be a good commentary to purchase if you're going to study a whole book of the Bible. They've gone through and they've separated all the books of the Bible and they've given you a few good commentaries that you could purchase, um, which is just helpful because sometimes I'm like, I don't know who to trust. Is this a good commentary? I don't know. Um, So those are just a few helpful tools um, to help you But remember that it's ultimately the spirit that he's going to teach us. He's going to guide us and he's going to help us know Jesus in a greater way. Um, So I know that's a lot of information. And hopefully as you go home, you can take that bookmark and start practicing studying God's word. Um, But in our last um, time together, here's a couple questions to ask around the table. And you'll have about 15 minutes to do this. Um, what are some current rhythms that get you into the word of God and what are some new ways you want to intake the Bible? What are some ways God has revealed himself through his word and what capture your thoughts and fears and what truths can you preach to yourself in light of that? We struggle a lot with not knowing or believing the truth and um, to encourage one another um, how we can preach the gospel to ourselves. Um, So go ahead and discuss these questions, and we'll uh, wrap up at 7.15. All right, ladies, I'm going to have to stop your conversations, which I'm sorry. Sorry to stop everything, but I want to be mindful of your time. Feel free to stay as long as you want um, to continue these conversations. So if you don't have to rush out, you stay and stay as long as you want or you need to. Um, But um, very quickly, um, go ahead and grab the bookmark in front of you. There's extras. So if you want to take one for a friend or whatever, go ahead and take it. And then if you did not get the um, homework reading guide when you grabbed your books, um, go ahead and take that. And there's extras in the back too. Um, And um, yeah, I'm just going to close this up. Emily had an awesome idea um, that I love. Um, Each week we're just going to close with um, singing the doxology together and just singing um, the truths about who God is together. Um, So if you don't know the doxology, the words are up here. But I'm not going to lead it. Um, (laughs) uh, The two Casey's, do you want to help lead or start it off? um, And then we'll close in prayer. Right. No, that's good. That's good. All right. Father, I just thank you so much for your word, Um, God, that uh, we have access to knowing you through your word, 
God, thank you for um, loving us, sending Jesus, um, God, so that we could have relationship with you, to know you, to love you. God, thank you for your grace that enables this, um, enables us to know you. God, would you grow us um, in our love and joy um, for you. Uh, God, as we uh, go out today, Father, this week, would you um, help us to be women of the word, um, to be women who delight um, in you, and we show you that by communing with you. Um, We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.